Hi, Filmatics. Hi, Moguls. We have a dual show today. I'm so glad that you're tuning in because we have a very special guest, Frank Forte. Frank is accomplished designer, storyboard artist, and comic book artist. He's also an animation director. Frank's film and TV credits include some of your favorite evers like Fantasy Island, DreamWorks, Three Below, Bob's Burgers, Lego, Guardian of the Galaxy, Despicable Me Too, Lego Star Wars, The Empire Strikes Out, and Heavy Metal Magazine. There's so many of these, including uh, Zombie Terrace. So we'll find out about his comic book credits and his film and TV credits, but let's welcome Frank to the show. Hey, Marilyn. Thanks for having me. <laughs> You're welcome. We got moguls listening and we got Filmatics because, as you know, Girls Guide to Investing is one of my podcasts besides Filmatics. And uh, because you have a live uh, Indigo campaign, we wanted to include you in both. So I just want to um, let everyone know, where are you tuning in and recording live from today? Uh, from uh, Glendale, California. I live uh, in L.A. I moved out here probably almost 20 years ago, you know, to work in film and animation. Came from the East Coast, Connecticut. But, yeah, reside uh, in L.A. and have for a while just so that I could have, you know, access to the studios and producers, directors, and, uh, you know, to just work in the uh, entertainment biz. Yeah, and you certainly have amazing credits. I mean, you do so many of my favorites, The Empire Strikes Out and Legos, Despicable Me. But I, I want to, um, you also are the publisher at Asylum Press, Asylum Press, which is an indie graphic novel and comic book publisher. I mean, you do so many amazing things in the comic book world. Yeah, I do. I've, I've been publishing comic books through Asylum Press, which is uh, my little publishing company. I publish my own work as well as collaborations with other people. I've published uh, Steve Mannion's um, Fearless Dawn comic book, uh, Robert Rhine's, um, you know, Satan books, which is like Satan Gone Wild, Chicken Soup for Satan. And these sound crazy, but they're really like comedic horror anthologies. Um, so I've been doing that for a while just because I love the comic book medium. I love how you can tell stories and get your work out there for a relatively low price. Like compared to film, you can create a comic book for virtually nothing and start building up a fan base of readers for your work. So I've been doing comics since the 90s and I've always loved them. Um, but, you know, I did want to transition into film. And that's why, you know, for me, storyboarding was something that I could easily do because I was already into telling stories visually in comic books, you know, dramatic lighting and composition and how characters move and how they talk and what a scene looks like. So when I got a script, it was just natural for me to start visualizing it. So when I came out here, I worked in animation first, storyboarding for some animated films and some TV shows and gradually moved into uh, storyboarding for live action. And I think the first live action film I did was 2001 Maniacs, which was like a horror remake by Eli Roth's company. And um, from there, I just kind of, you know, you meet people, you kind of move your way up, you do little indie films, indie films, and then you start working on bigger productions. And my most recent production in film and TV was uh, Lovecraft Country. I was one of three storyboard artists on that show. And, you know, we storyboarded all the visual effects and like, 
kill scenes and monsters and gore. I mean, it was just really fun to work on that show. So that was the most recent uh, thing that I worked on, the most high-profile high um, project. But yeah, I go back and forth between comics and 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 film, and I, I just kind of like the way the two kind of merge together. And, and it's like you can, if you're a storyteller, you can work in both. Like Kevin Smith, for instance, he writes comic books and writes movies and there's a bunch of other you know like keanu reeves just did um berserker that's a, a comic book based i think on one of his characters boom is publishing it but they're going to make a movie into it so i think a lot of people like comic books for you know being able to launch a relatively inexpensive either it's an ip or it's just a story or maybe you don't even want it to be a movie you just want it to be a comic book a lot of people just want their comics to be comics and you can do it relatively easily. So yeah, so, it is a great medium. Uh, wow. So so we're going to ask you, um, so let's find out how it all started. So growing up as a kid, did you have a favorite film? Um, you know, I grew up watching cartoons as a kid. You know, that was my first thing, like Warner Brothers and Hanna-Barbera stuff. And as a teen, I loved the horror movies, you know, from beyond Reanimator, you know, um, uh evil dead and all that stuff love the 80s horror gore like vhs tapes but for a favorite <laughs> film if i if i were to say the favorite film and you got to bring it down to just one i think uh apocalypse now i think that's like that is always one of my favorite films oh wow apocalypse now so i don't know if like our younger generation or tiktok even knows about that can you tell us a little bit about your favorite character and some scenes in that so they can kind of like maybe go check that movie out it's really great it was with charlie sheen and um oh gosh who was the guy that's on uh, was in every almost all the great movies what's his name the photographer oh so that was um you know i'm drawing a blank um <laughs> oh my god yeah so francis ford coppola directed it and um marlon brando and martin sheen have a great scene robert duvall plays one of the characters um, Lawrence Fishburne is in it when he's younger. Harrison Ford's in it when he's younger. Dennis Hopper plays the um, the okay. photographer. But it's just a really dark uh, story of um, a group of, you know, Vietnam soldiers who are going down this river to, you know, take out this rogue. Um, I think he's a general. No, he's a yeah, colonel. Colonel Kurtz. That's who it is. They're going to take out this rogue Colonel Kurtz who has gone into the jungle and like set up this cult. And it was based on this. It was a book called um, Hearts of Darkness, I think it was. So it was based on a book where this pirate ship, I think, goes into the goes up the Nile River. So they took that story. It was either the Nile or the Amazon. They took that story and placed it in Vietnam and updated it. And it's just a dark kind of trippy psychedelic war epic it's a vietnam war story but it has like elements of psychedelia and it's just it's just a bizarre twisted you know cool thriller adventure film and if anyone out there hasn't seen it i would recommend it for sure yeah it's got great soundtrack and definitely it's something to maybe watch during covid when everyone is just you know you would probably they'd just probably love it the soundtrack alone is amazing and I mean, yeah one of the one of the most classic lines of all time you know I, I love the smell of napalm in the morning like who doesn't know that line it's like probably one of the most 
like between that and lines in Pulp Fiction is probably one of the most, uh, you know, celebrated lines ever. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, you're so accomplished with uh, your comic book, your film and TV credits. I mean, uh, I mean, uh, Marvel Heroes, uh, the Superhero Squad show. I mean, Bob's Burgers, Heavy Metal Magazine. Like I said, Despicable Me 2, Lego Star Wars, Guardians of the Galaxy. So I want to ask you, did you have um, a favorite Criterion film that inspired your career path? I mean, yeah, well, when I found the Criterion Collection, you know, it's definitely as a as you get in more into, you know, serious films as you're studying them, whether it's in college or after college, you know, you want to look at the Criterion stuff and go, oh, why, what makes these films great? You know, so you're looking at French New Wave, you're looking at Italian films, you're looking at a lot of the black and white stuff, and you're really kind of... You know, okay, the, the splatter horror is done. I'm done with the, you know, the goofy comedies. I'm, I'm done with these, like, low-budget sci-fi stuff. Let's get to the real interesting films. So, I mean, I love David Lynch. Um, you know, Eraserhead is one of my favorite films. As weird and bizarre as it is, it's kind of, like, considered his student film because he made it over a four-year period while he was at AFI. So I think they consider that a student film. But, um... You know, one of my favorite films, it's dark, it's weird. Some people can't even stand watching it. I've seen it probably like 30 times. And it's one of my favorite films just because it it's a signature stylized film by David Lynch. It establishes his look, his style, his dialogue, the characters, the actors that he worked with. And, um, you know, it's kind of a love story in the end, you know, because he's a weird character that falls for this girl and they kind of have a baby. It's just, I don't know. It's, it's so weird and twisted and bizarre. I love it. So I would say for Criterion, that would be my favorite film. Wow. I, I just remember the guy was like so scary looking. I didn't get it. And I kind of just like maybe like semi watched it. <laughs> yeah, it's not, it's not for everyone. That's for sure. But if you're a Lynch fan, you know, or, or an indie if you like indie films of the 90s, I think that, that came out in, in the 80s, though, but it was still, like, got popular in the 90s. Um, you know, I, I loved it. Yeah, I, I went to someone's house. I forgot his name, but it's, like, uh, Brocklehurst or something's house up in Hollywood Hills. But he had, like, one of those horror film guys with all the needles. was, like, Pinhead or something. He had that, that um, what is it, the prop with all the needles on the person's head. Oh, yeah, Pinhead character. Wow, he had that, huh? Cool. Yeah, well, he was the Very producer cool. of that. And then my friend was there, and she actually got to um, uh, do soundtrack on one of his horror films. Um, something like Step Into My Garden, like where the people were eating food um, and the people were buried in the garden and they were eating people. It was like, real cre- you're like very creepy. It was a very creepy house. You're like very creeped out. You're like, oh, what's that? That's like, that's that horror movie. So when you say Eraserhead, it kind of reminds me of the Pinhead guy. Right. <laughs> so, so speaking of, so um, do you, because your comic book, you actually storyboard and you are animation director. So I was wondering, like, do you have a favorite director film shot that you'd like to um, maybe share with us? I mean, there's so many to choose from, right? I mean, I like, I mean, I think, so, I mean, Pulp Fiction's another one of my favorite films, right? So I think the shot, the scene of John Travolta and Samuel L. Jackson coming up the stairs to invade um, those guys' room that have the briefcase 
um, just the suspense of them being so nonchalant as they walk up to that room. They're I think that's where they're talking about the burger, right? They're going back and <laughs> forth about the burger. And then they get into the room and all of a sudden it's like immediately violent. And I just love the way he built up the suspense where they're just like casually talking, but you can see these kids who are holding this briefcase. They are seriously nervous and they know that they could possibly be killed. And it's just the back and forth and the way they go through that scene and the dialogue right before the guns come out. Um, I don't know. I mean, so many shots in that movie are great, but that's just one that stands out to me for the suspense, you know? Oh, I love that. Like talking about the burger, like you said, just so casual. And then when he opened the door, it's like you, exactly the he, intention was there. Re really great guy. Um, I got to I got to meet him with Paul Thomas Anderson. He's so nice. Oh, cool. Yeah, he was super nice. And you're just like, oh, you're like, oh, I'll pick me for a film, anything to be in a film with you, right? Ha ha. You know. <laughs> So uh, yeah, just let me, just let me. Uh, can you sh can you shadow me as a director? I don't have a, a a guy mentor, you know, to show me how to direct a film. You know, the things that you really want to ask him. Besides, like, oh, can I get you out anything else? Um, any more uh, teaser? <laughs> he, I was a waitress when I met him. So right, right, <laughs> yeah. wow, cool. Then, would you like some more tea, <laughs> sugar with the coffee? <laughs> right. You're like, in the whole time, you're like trying to be professional. You're like, oh my gosh, it's Kill Bill. Yeah, exactly. So, but really, yeah, that's yeah, really nice guy. He remembers me because when he says, "Oh, this is uh, Paul Thomas Anderson," I go, "PTA the frogs." He, he's like, he goes, "Oh, he he'll never let me forget the, the yep the frog guy." <laughs> <laughs> so that's awesome. So speaking of, you know, we love David Lynch. We love Quentin Tarantino. But I want to know, like, you said you came from, you know, moved from Connecticut. So how did you start? Like, you know, did you? Did, did you play when you were growing up, Cowboys and Indians? Or, you know, are you allowed to say that anymore? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess when I was younger, sure. I mean, I, I drew, I was always drawing comic books and always, um, you know, I was an only child. So I was always, you know, being creative with, 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 you know, whether it was drawing or writing my own stories. And after college, I was submitting comic books to the publishers, Marvel, DC, getting rejected. And then I met some people that were self-publishing, uh, the guys that were doing Cry for Dawn. And I was like, uh, how did you guys put this book out? They're like, well, we just, we just self-published. We went through a distributor and we paid for the printing and we got orders and we shipped them out. I'm like, wow, you can do that? How do you do that? So they kind of taught me how to self-publish and ever since then, even though I've been published by other publishers, I prefer self-publishing because it's just easier. I can come up with a story. I know how to work with distributors. I know how to do a print. I know how to market. I, I can create the comic from scratch, get orders, send it to the printer, fulfill the orders, do the invoices. And, you know, in that way you can, you can keep more of the money. You have to do more of the work. But at least, you know, sometimes you can get with a publisher and you can sign a deal and then, oh, they're going to put you on the back burner. They're not going to put your book out for a year or two. And that sets you back. I mean, when you're younger, it's no, maybe it's no problem. But when I get something done, I like to put it out, whether it's digitally on the web, a web comic or through a distributor, I like having control. So it's not really that hard if you learn how to self-publish and you can talk to Diamond Comics distributors or IMG, Independent Publishers Group, or Ingram. I mean, even if you're small, there are distributors that will take you. You just have to be willing to do the work. Um, yeah, and then, you know, so I prefer to self-publish. 
Oh, that's beautiful. And thanks for sharing um, those fabulous tips. And then, so your specialty, so so you started like your own, you know, publish, self-publishing, you're like the original Amazon self-publishing. <laughs> and um, yeah, right. yeah, and so, um, so you're at college. Did you go to college? Yeah, I went to Central Connecticut State University for art and graphic design. And then after I graduated there, I started taking more classes at art school. So I went to um, Pear College of Art in Hamden, Connecticut. I went to SVA in New York City, um, the Art Students League in New York City. And, you know, I didn't go there. I didn't get more degrees. I just kind of took classes that I wanted, like animation or life drawing or storyboarding or composing or illustration, because I felt that the, getting a degree, at least, there's a lot of ancillary um, classes that I was kind of wasting my time with. And I just, at that point, I just wanted to be like, I want to take an illustration class with like a great illustrator. And I took animation classes with Bill Plimpton, who's an amazing independent animator. And at the Art Students League, I was taking classes with Larry Poons, who was like this this um he was an op art guy and that was for like the fine art stuff and i was taking you know uh, drawing classes and uh, life drawing and, and and posing and and i really got my art up to a better level just by focusing on who the teacher was and taking classes with those people and then when i came out to la i still even take classes i'll like take a class with an amazing Disney animator or a Disney storyboard guy or a, a Disney character designer. And you can really learn a lot from these guys who are working in the business. So, um, you know, I was living in Connecticut and I wanted to work in film and that really wasn't happening too much in New York. It was post 9-11. New York was a little bit shaky and there really weren't that many animation studios there. And I knew there were a ton out in LA you know, yeah, everything, Disney, DreamWorks, Cartoon Network, Nickelodeon, all that stuff. So I moved out and pretty soon after I started getting work just by banging on doors and networking. Oh, I love it. So do you remember one of your first jobs or? Uh, my first job out here was doing background design on a thing called Little Pimp, which was set up at Revolution Studios. And um, I did background design there. And uh, it was pretty fun because um, it was my first job at a studio. We were right down near where um, Larry David was. You'd see him walking around. Uh, Ice Cube was in the studio working on stuff. So you'd you'd see these celebrities. So it was really like this, wow, I'm in Hollywood. And there's like directors and stars walking around. It was this little studio in Santa Monica. But it was, there were other little studios set up where it was. It was, um, it wasn't a big studio lot. Oh, and then the Buffy lot, the Buffy set was right near there. So like you could look over there, that's the Buffy, I think it was the downtown area. And Buffy was still shooting, I think it was like, it was 2002, 2003. And you could, you could, you could peek in there and see like the Buffy set. So I thought that was pretty cool too. Uh, I bet you they're going to reboot the Buffy Vampire Slayer because they're rebooting every single I thing. Well. Yes. I, I bet you, I you're right. I guarantee it. Yeah. And it's like, come on, give give some new people that are amazing and smashing it. Like Frank Forte is smashing in the comic book. Right. And also Marilyn's smashing it with the kids content. Hey, number right. one hey. in the world. Hello. Give give us a chance because we've proven ourselves. But um, anywho, we'll see a lot of remakes and reboots, which is great. We love them. But, you know. I mean, hopefully Italians. Yeah, and hopefully Italians considered. Aren't we like Italians? We need more Italians in there, right? More Italians and more Italian filmmakers. 
yeah, there we need we need Italian channel. <laughs> right. <laughs> Have there ever been an Italian comic book like a you know like with an Italian character or is like is you know? Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of uh, Italian comic books. Like Dylan Dog was one that's a famous Italian creator. Uh, Rank Xerox is another uh, by a Tinino Libertor. Um, there's a whole Italian uh, a version of Italian manga. Like there's European manga that comes out, and there's a lot of Italian guys that do that. So there are. It's just a lot smaller. The Italian comic book community is a lot smaller than the biggest one outside of America is obviously uh, France in the UK than I think Germany, but there's a lot of great books that come out of Italy. Yeah, well, I mean, just like Italian, like the, the character's Italian. Did you say somebody Xerox is the character's name? Oh, Rank Xerox. Yeah, it was a character that came out in the um, in the 80s and was published, serialized through Heavy Metal magazine and um, Catalan, uh, reproduced some of the graphic novels in collected editions. Yeah, it was like a robot, he was a robot and his name was Ranks, but it was like Xerox. So Rank Xerox is the name of the character. I like that too. And um, you know, what speaking of, so you um also uh, you, we can probably like talk a little bit about your Indigo campaign. Do you want to talk about that real um a little bit? Oh uh, yeah, yeah, sure. So one of my comic books was called The Vampire Verses, which was the story of an exotic dancer who unwittingly gets turned into a creature of the night, and when she wakes up and realizes she's a vampire, she realizes she's part of this vampire prophecy called the Vampire Verses where these three warring vampire clans are trying to get with her to use her in a ritual to extinguish the other vampire clans and become like the ultimate power holder of vampire energy. So uh, it's on Indiegogo now. It goes for another 25 days. And if you just look up the Vampire versus Blood Rites sketchbook, um, it, what it is, is it's kind of an art book sketchbook of the Vampire Versus. So if you're not familiar with the series, you could buy the sketchbook art book and kind of be introduced to it. But the first four issues of the comic book are also available there. So you can get the first four issues, which is the first story arc, the sketchbook, and a bunch of other stuff like original art. You can get... Um, alternate covers, you can get, there's a, a print available, but um, that's one of the comics that, you know, I published in the 90s and I'm getting back to it now. Like during COVID, I haven't been storyboarding as much, so I'm getting back to doing, you know, my comic books. So Vampire Versus is one, uh, Warlash, which is like an armored um, character similar to Robocop or Judge Dredd. I've got Zombie Terrors. I've got Undead Evil, which is kind of like a Lovecraftian voodoo tale. Um, I've got all these stories that I created in the 90s and then kind of never finished them or never put them out in a graphic novel form. They were always just single issues. So I'm kind of using Indiegogo and crowdfunding and all this time to kind of finish off my own properties and comic books and stuff. They sound fantastic. Can you um, say them again? Like, you, do you have like several books that are being funded, or one at a time you're going to be doing? Uh, one at a time, right? Right now, just the Vampire versus Blood Rights sketchbook is up there. But um, after that, I might do uh, a Warlash book, um, Undead Evil, uh, Beyond Doomsday is another one that's an anthology of post-apocalyptic tales. Um, I have. I mean, if you go to asylumpress.com, that's my publishing company. 
Uh, you can see a bunch of the titles up there. I mean, we could go through each one of them, but I mean, it, I could go on forever. But the comic book medium has always been really fun for me. And I think a lot of people look at how many graphic novels now get turned into films or TV shows. It's it's because it's a great medium to tell a story and people still like to read, you know, the page where the, the where you're you're still you know, using some of your imagination to see where the action goes or what does the character sound like or, you know, what happened in between the scene or you could just look at these drawings and it's just like the pages just kind of explode out into your mind. Like there's there's something about comics and graphic novels that I always loved as a kid and I was into them, you know, before there were video games, you know, it was like comic books were something you went to because, you know, either your parents wouldn't let you watch TV all the time, or you could just be in your room alone. You could carry a comic book with you to school. You could whip it out during lunch. I mean, I don't know. There's something about comics that I just truly love. Now, do you like the um, the pages, or how do you feel about the digital? Do you like them digital or the pages, right, the actual book itself? I mean, I, I read digital comics, and I know web web comics like Webtoon and Tapas and, and Graphite are big for younger readers. And I put some of my comics out on those platforms just to, with the hopes of getting to this younger reader where there's millions of readers reading in this format. Um, and I like checking out some of the stuff that's being done because some of it, you know, they have animated GIFs and, and some of the cool stuff on Webtoon, like um, Lore Olympus is one of the more popular ones. I like to check out, sure, what's there and what's popular. Um, but I prefer, yeah, going to a comic book store buying a comic book, reading it, or just sitting back to a graphic novel with some some music on in my house and just <laughs> just just reading it, you know, smelling the pages or buying old comics. Um, that's what I prefer, but I'm not like totally against digital, but I think a lot of people that read comics prefer to read comic books, but I think when it comes to Webtoon, there are millions of readers that prefer Webtoon, and these are younger readers. These are like teens and people in their 20s that I think prefer Webtoon over the comic. So there is like, it's kind of split. Oh, nice. So, um, yeah. And can you, as what's the difference between you do adult comic books and there's Magna and there's, there's uh, can you explain a little bit between adult and Magna? Like, what do you mean, uh, magma? magma? What do you mean magma by comics? Like, right? Are they like different? The comic book styles? Oh, oh manga, right, right. Manga, um, manga. yeah, manga. Sorry, the manga is. Um, it originally started out of Japan, and it's just longer form stories. Some of them are, you know, have to do with demons or fantasy or magic. Um, but the manga style has now. It comes from everywhere. Like there are French manga artists and American and Italian. I think it's just a way of telling a story that focuses on the character, but um, it's done in the Japanese style, but you have your own take on it. Okay. Um, and then you, but you, uh, but your forte is adult, uh, adult comics, right? Is that like a. Yeah, yeah, I would say more mature readers, like um, what you would see in Vertigo. When you say adult, some people think it's like X-rated. I wouldn't say it's X-rated. My stuff is kind of like an R-rated movie, like, you know, Pulp Fiction or Apocalypse Now. Um, I do some stuff that would be general readers, which in comic books, that would be like Marvel stuff, Spider-Man, X-Men, 
Um, but yeah, my, my, my stuff would be considered a little bit edgier, like Vampire versus Hex of the Wicked Witch, Warlash, a little bit of an edge. And, that, and that's why I like to self-publish, because I don't have to worry about censoring myself. You know? Oh, great. And then so I just want people to know that your work has been exhibited at, um, maybe you can correct me if I say it, La Luz de Jesus Gallery, uh, Corporal yep. Corpor Gallery, Cor Corey Hayfield Gallery, CASS, Contemporary Dark Art Emporium, Arch Enemy Arts, Phone Booth Gallery, Night Gallery Fine Arts, Cannibal Flower, LTD Gallery, and Hy Hyena Gallery, and your um, publisher, again, let's just tell our audience, is Asylum Press, that's A-S-Y-L-U-M, Asylum Press, and, um, you know, just uh, be, is there, let's go over your um, campaign real quickly before we go. Yeah, Vampire versus Blood Red Sketchbook. Uh, you can find me on social, Frank Forte Art at Instagram, Frank Forte Art at Twitter, Frank Forte Comics at Twitter and Instagram. That's my comic central. Um, that's where I do my comic art. That's a, kind of separate from my fine art. Asylum Press is on there. And then Goon Cartoons is my animation channel on uh, YouTube. If you just look up Goon Cartoons, you can see a bunch of original animation that I do, little shorts, um, cartoons, kind of short films, all sorts of weird, some funny, some dark, some twisted, but it's a cool outlet for me to just get my stuff out there. Yeah, so Goon Tunes, almost 200,000 subscribers. Everyone loves your stuff. Frank Forte, so happy to have you on the show. Support his um, comic books, and you know you can support our channel too. I just want to thank all our uh, moguls for listening, all our film addicts for listening. Thank you, Frank, for coming on the show today. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks, everyone. Yeah, and thanks to our audience for listening and making us a top hit podcast. And just thank you till next week. Cheers, everybody. Stay healthy and be happy and enjoy some comic books. And you check out his Indigo campaign. And um, oh, what's the name of it again? Real quick. Uh, Vampire versus Blood Rights Sketchbook on Indiegogo. And it goes for another 25 days. Today is March 3rd. So, um, yeah, check it out. A lot of different reward tiers. Yeah, thank you, everybody.